Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, who had an opportunity to see the new preschool? Anybody? Wow, is that fat? It was just this side of the room. I don't know what's going on over here. Thank you, Mason. Uh, you need to do that before you leave. Absolutely uh, phenomenal, great place. You need to walk over and see that. Who got a donut this morning? You know, I, I'm here to tell you, there was a line out there and people were panicking. It's like two months since they'd had a donut and they, they were uh, starting to have withdrawals or something. But luckily, all that is ready. Everything looks great. want to thank everybody that helped uh, putting that all together. Well, we're finishing up a sermon series here this morning called Just Stop It. And we're over in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. So turn over to that uh, as we're going to conclude our sermon series today. Uh, Probably a lot of you remember Jared Lorenzen. Anybody remember him? He used to be a quarterback for the University of Kentucky. He was called the hefty lefty. Uh, when he was at the University of Kentucky as a quarterback, he weighed more than anybody else on the entire team. Uh, when he got to the NFL, uh, he did pretty well for a while. Uh, he ballooned up to about 315, 320 pounds. And uh, then when he retired from the NFL, he hadn't weighed since then until last week. And when he weighed, he weighed over 500 pounds. You got a picture of Jared Lorenzen. Uh, right here. Well, he decided that wasn't healthy. He needed to do something about it. So he has started what is called the Lorenzen Project. And you can follow him uh, online where he is going to be uh, losing 250 pounds over the next several uh, months. And he said that he hopes it does two things. First, it makes him healthier and a better person. And second, it encourages other people and helps them. And so Jared Lorenzen trying to do something both that's going to benefit him and benefit others. And when we look into our scripture passage over in Genesis chapter 12 today, we're going to see the exact same thing take place in the life of Abraham, where what is going on with him is not only going to bless him, but it's going to bless other people. So let's look over into that Genesis chapter 12. And the first thing we see is this. Whenever you move forward in faith, it always involves a risk and carries a cost. Whenever you try to make your life better, whenever you try to try to move forward with God, uh, I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to try to, to stop some bad habits, do a better thing. It's always going to involve some kind of risk, and it's always going to carry a cost. Let's see how that was true with Abraham. Look down to verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, right there from the very beginning, we see the the trouble that that's going to cause in this day and age. Abraham is told, leave your family, leave your home, leave everything you know, and just go to a place where I'm going to show you. So think of the dangers and the risk involved in that at the very beginning. First of all, this is a very patriarchal age. Families stayed together. And just to be told to to move off uh, into the wild to a place you don't even know where you're going, that involved quite a risk. Now, his family had already done that at one point. They've gone from Ur all the way up to to Haran. And now he's being told to leave Haran and go uh, to a place that God is going to show him. 
Now, where he's staying at now uh, is a fairly unusual place. Uh, Heron is known today for their ancient beehive houses, the only place in the world where these are found. And here's some of those uh, ancient beehive huts uh, that they had there. And uh, this uh, is something they seem to have had for years and may have even been around in Abraham's day. And then the next picture is a map that shows you where he went. So his father was in Ur down there at the very bottom where it says Babylonia. He goes up to Haran, and that's where they stop, and the family takes root. Now, Abraham is being told to leave and go down into what is today modern-day Israel uh, and to go to a place that God's going to show him. So it's going to take a lot of risk and a lot of cost. Is he going to be safe? He doesn't know anybody there. Are the people going to be friendly? How's he going to make a living? How's he going to pay for things? Is there going to be water as they go into a desert area? Uh, So a lot of questions. Is his family going to be safe? So there's a risk as he goes out that any of these things could lead to trouble in his life. And there's also a cost. Leaving home, leaving family, leaving all the things you know and going out. I remember uh, when I graduated from seminary and Dawn and I moved to Florida out of the first full-time position, or Florida, uh, she wishes, when we first moved to Virginia. uh, And, uh, uh, you know, my dad, uh, his whole family was from uh, Kentucky, had always lived in Kentucky. And my dad thought we were going to the international mission field when we went to Virginia or something, you know. There's never been a Pendleton moved that far away before. And I had to tell him, yes, Dad, they have because Pendletons came from Virginia into Kentucky. But, but you know, he, he didn't think you should go backwards and do that again. So there's always some sign of cost, some kind of risk when you step out and do something for God. It's that way of the church and it's that way in your individual life. Think about all that our church has done in the last year and the costs and the risks that were involved in that. First of all, uh, when we went into this whole renovation project that we had right now, what were some of the risks that were involved? Well, uh, just in this room right here, we had all kind of upset stomachs when we thought we're going to change the carpet. That carpet's been in here since the very beginning. It's 40 years old. You know, what if we change the carpet? Will people like it? What if we take out pews and put in chairs? Surely somebody's going to complain. Now, I know some of you probably are mad right now, but nobody's ever complained to me about that. Absolutely unbelievable. There, there was a risk that was involved until somebody sat in the chair and found out how comfortable they were. Then, then, it, then it kind of changed that. Uh, when we lightened the brick, when we enlarged the stage, all of that was a risk. When we had to meet in the gym for two or three months, uh, that wasn't ideal. We're trying to figure out how to get people in the gym. And we bought the golf carts and we had uh, you know, all these greeters stationed every level of the building trying to get people down the gymnasium. Are people going to come? That was a risk that we took at that place. There was a tremendous cost that, that went into doing all of these things uh, that we're doing. So risk and cost is always involved in moving forward. It's not just true of the church. It's true in your life. Whenever you decide, I'm going to make my life better, I'm going to stop doing some things I I shouldn't be doing, and uh, I'm going to start doing some things I should, there's going to be risk and cost. For one thing, uh, some of the costs is if you stop doing things you're doing, uh, sometimes you're going to you're going to say, well, you know, I kind of miss some of those things. I kind of kind of miss some of those wild things I used to do or something like that. Uh, and, and so there's that that risk that you won't like the new life you're going into or something. There's a cost that involved. It might cost you some friends as you go along the way. It might cost you some time. Now I have to get up on Sunday morning and go to church instead of watching Star Trek or something uh, like that. You know, that, that's on. There. And so there, there's a risk and there's a cost to anything that goes on in your life. It means changed behavior. It means you might have to sacrifice what you want for the good of another person. That's a risk and a cost. 
uh, when you do that. When you take a dollar out of your pocket and you suddenly put it in the offering plate for the first time, there's a risk and a cost that is involved in that. So whenever you do anything, moving forward for God, there is always risk and there is always cost. Saw an interesting story in the paper this week about a lady by the name of Rose Ellis who worked at a bridal shop in Oklahoma City. And the bridal shop just unexpectedly closed. And they had, they had over 60 dresses that she was supposed to be altering. She was the alterations lady. And, and the shop just closed. And so she asked the owner, well, what do I do with the 60 dresses? And she said, I don't know. I'll just, uh, you know, if they come by, they can pick them up and find somebody else to alter them. It's just tough luck for them. That's all there is. So Rosellas thought, well, that's not the way it should be. You know, these people uh, have depended upon this. They've got their dress. And so for free, she began altering every one of those dresses. Unbelievable. Here's a picture of Rose right here. The story eventually made the news uh, when one of the ladies uh, let the newspaper know what she was doing. A hotel has now provided her space in one of their conference rooms uh, for her to put up all the dresses and do her alterations. People are now uh, offering her jobs. People are paying for the alterations. She's making more money now than she was before. So there was a risk involved in it. I'm going to do something that I think is right to help another person. But there's a risk and there was a cost. But when she moved forward, good things came from it. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture passage. There's always a risk, always the cost. But when we move forward, two things happen. When you move forward in faith, first of all, it's going to bless you. When you move forward in faith, first, it will bless you. Look back to our scripture passage down to verse 2. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. So right here in verse 2, God tells Abraham, okay, go out to this place I'm going to show you. You don't know where it is. You don't know how you're going to get there. There's going to be a tremendous risk. There's a great cost in you going. But if you have the faith to do it, if you will move forward and go to this place, I will bless you. Now, what a great promise that God's given Abraham here. If you've got the courage to step out and to make your life better and to move forward, it's going to bless you. And the same is still true of us today. Whenever you move forward to God, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out perfect. And it doesn't mean there won't be opposition. But it does mean ultimately you will be the one that will be blessed through it. Your life will be made better. You'll become a better person, a stronger person, a holier person. You'll have more direction, more purpose, uh, more, more courage. Uh, as you go forward in God, you are going to be blessed when you move forward. So the reason we don't do it is because of the risk. Because we count the risk first and we're afraid. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose some of my time, some of my money, some of my energy. Uh, I'm afraid it's not going to work or, or it'll cost me too much. And so we count the risks when what God's saying is, all I want is your courage and then I will bless you if you only have the courage to do it. You see, we like to count the cost first. And whenever you count the cost, you get in trouble because God doesn't count the way that we do. Uh, God's going to give us tremendous blessing, but I'm here to tell you, whenever you try to make your life better, there will always be opposition. The devil doesn't like it when you increase the level of your life, and he's always going to hit you whenever you do it. Uh, and so expect opposition to come when you try to make your life better. But God says, ultimately, you're the one that's going to be blessed when you move forward. The second thing he tells him in verse two is not only will I bless you, I will make your name great. 
I will make your name great. Now, again, that's a part of a personal blessing. So people are going to know who Abraham is. Was that, is that true? Well, we're talking about him right now, so I guess it's true. So his name became great. But even in his day, that was going to be the case. People are going to look at you and see something different in your life, something different in the way you're living, something different in your faith, and people are going to recognize and be impressed by that. And it's still true today. One of the blessings God will give you is that it will make your name great. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get your own reality TV show or something, or at least we hope not. But what it does mean is people are going to notice your lifestyle. They're going to notice when you've increased your lifestyle and it's getting better. Your family is going to become stronger. You're going to be better at your workplace. People are going to notice how you act and treat other people. Your name will become great as you do that. I had one person tell me the only problem with that is now whenever somebody moves, they call me and ask them to help because they know I will, you know, and, uh, I'd, you know, and, and so because they know you're a caring person, so they call you whenever they need something. But people do notice why are they calling you in the first place when they're moving or doing something? Because they know you're a different person that will help when the other 90% of their friends won't. And so they do take notice. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Whenever we move forward in faith, it blesses us. A lot of y'all know who Michael W. Smith is. He's from Canova, West Virginia. Right when you cross over the line there from Kentucky uh, into West Virginia. He, he loved music his whole life. When he turned 15, he really felt God saying, you're supposed to go into to Christian music. And, 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 and uh, he was thinking he's going to be a minister of music or, or something like that. When he was 17, he moved to Nashville to follow his dreams. And he said things begin to devolve from there. He got a job working in a, in a late night nightclub from 1 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning. He was 17 years old. Uh, he said over the next five years, he got involved in alcohol, drugs. Uh, he had three drug overdoses. He said at one point he was waiting for an ambulance. Blood was coming out of his mouth and he thought he was dead for sure. And he said in that ambulance, he began to play, God, I need to get my life back together. So after he got out, after he started feeling better, he said, I need to get my life together. But, you know, I still need this job because I'm making contacts. I'm breaking into the country music business. And so I can't leave the job. And so he stayed on the job. He kept doing what he was doing. He had a fourth drug overdose. He said he was laying on the linoleum in his kitchen floor when he said, no, this is what costs too much, not the other. And he prayed, God, I'm going to turn it around. Eight months later, he got his first contract as a Christian musician, and it was for $200 a week writing songs for other people. Eight months after that, he got his first solo contract, and a month later, Amy Grant asked him to go on tour with him, and the rest was history. Within two years, he was the artist of the year, would win four Grammy Awards and 40 Dove Awards. But he said it always came about because when he counted the cost, at first it scared him, but when he finally took that leap, he was the one that was blessed more than anybody else. So whenever you move forward, God, it's always going to bless you. That's him at the Grammy Awards, and uh, that's my picture behind him there. That's why I wanted to, to show you that right there. So moving forward in faith will always bless you. There's a second thing moving forward in faith will do. It will not only bless you, moving forward in faith is going to bless other people through you. Isn't that neat? It doesn't just bless you. When your life becomes different, when you begin to live it in a different way, then everybody around you ship rises and other people are blessed as well. Go back to verse 2 again. I will make you into a great nation. 
So one of the promises Abraham is given is that he will become a great nation. Now, here's the weird thing about this. If you're Abraham, you're already getting fairly up there in age and you're, you can't have children. Uh, your wife is barren. She can't have children. You're past the age of childbearing. And God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. So you talk about cost, risks, and things that probably aren't going to happen. That seems like craziness right there. But God tells Abraham, not only am I taking you to a place you don't know, when you get there, you're going to become a great nation. You, the childless person, too old to have children, with a wife that can't have children, you're going to become a great nation. Then look on down to verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you. And then look back up to verse 2 again. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So over and over again, you're going to be a great nation. You will be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. So through what Abraham is going to do, others are going to be blessed. Now, this is a much greater promise than Abraham ever knew. He might be thinking, well, maybe uh, a great nation will form for me. You know, uh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, Liechtenstein will come from my, from my lineage or something like that. You know, that's probably the best he's thinking of at this point. God would bring from Abraham the tribe of Israel, but the blessing of the world was more than that. The blessing of the world would be that from the line of Abraham, a man too old to have children would ultimately come King David, and from King David would ultimately come Jesus Christ himself. So Abraham is the forerunner to God's Messiah. That's how much God is going to bless others through him and through his faithfulness that ultimately the Savior of the world is going to come through what Abraham is doing. I will bless you and I will bless others through you. That happens in our life today. Whenever you begin to raise the level of your life, everybody around you is touched. If you are, a, if you are married right now and you start saying, I'm going to be a better spouse, a more caring spouse, I'm going to be more involved in my family, then your wife and your children will be blessed because of that. Your husband and your children will be blessed because of that. When you raise your level and become a different person and live at a different level, your family is affected by it. Not only is your family affected by it, if you go to work and you're the person at work that is optimistic and helpful and caring and listens to others when they're down, then the whole work atmosphere changes. You can have one person at work that will make everybody in your job site miserable, or you can have one person at work that will make everybody on your job site better. You be the person that makes it better. Be the person, you know, everybody has, a, has a, some sort of effect on people. You can make people smile when you walk into a room, or you can make people smile when you walk out of the room. You know, it's totally up to you. Be the person that makes them smile when you walk into the room. Be a blessing to other people. Even people you don't know, when you're being kind and forgiving and patient and caring, it touches everyone and it raises them, and people will be blessed because of you and the life that you're living. It's simple, it's, it's straightforward, and it's so true. There was a, uh, a very sad story in the paper this week. A New York State trooper by the name of Joel Davis was killed back in the middle of uh, July when he went uh, on a domestic uh, violence call. And when he knocked on the door, uh, there was just a shot through the window and he was shot and killed. Uh, Davis was known around his department as the, as the person that helped everybody else. And uh, at his funeral, 
uh, it was just mentioned that before he died, he was building a treehouse for his 13-year-old daughter. And they were just talking about how he was always giving and caring for other people. And he was, he was in the process of building a treehouse for his 13-year-old daughter. The next day, three dozen New York State troopers show up at Joel Davis's house. They complete the treehouse here uh, for his daughter. And when they were asked why they did it, they said, he touched so many lives, we wanted to do something to touch the people in his life. You see, when you raise the level of your life, it blesses others as well, and it makes a difference. So what we see so far is that whenever you start to move forward, it's a cost that comes with it, and there's a risk, but it ends up blessing you, and it ends up blessing others. Now, if that's true, then what we need to do is to move forward and claim the land God is giving us. That's what we need to do now. Move forward and claim the land God has given us. Look back to chapter 12 again. So here's Abram. He's had this great call of God. Uh, He's been told to go somewhere he doesn't know where. Now, if you're a person, I love maps, you know, and I, and whenever uh, we take a trip, I've got it all mapped out of my head. I know what's going on. Uh, I know all the good attractions to see. We never get to see them because we drive by them real quick. But, but I know all those places. I know where every Chick-fil-A and White Castle is and, and all that kind of stuff as, as we're going through there. I love maps. How would you like the uncertainty of God telling you, pack up the bags, get in the car and take off and I'll show you where you're supposed to go at some point. Now, that would take a lot of faith, wouldn't it? Let's see what Abraham does down in verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they accumulated, the people they had acquired. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Here's a picture of Shechem with some of those great trees uh, that you see there. Those were oaks uh, that were there. So this is a fairly uh, desolate area. So when you see a tree, it stands out. And uh, so apparently he was in an area where there was just one tree standing out. And uh, so he went and uh, settled there. Verse 7. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is real interesting what happens here. Abram shows up in the land of Canaan. It's a fairly desolate area he's in right now. The Canaanites live there. Some of them are pretty powerful cities with with chariots. And you've just got your family, like the Beverly Hillbillies, showing up in the truck over the hill, looking out at all these towns and walled fortresses and desolate area and chariots. And then God says, look up, get to the top of this hill, look as far as you can see, because everything you see is yours. Now that takes a little bit of faith, doesn't it? To look down at all of that when you're with the Beverly Hillbillies truck and think, okay, everything I see out there is now mine. And so look at how Abraham responds at the end of verse 7. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he worshiped God. And he said, Lord, I've got faith that as I move forward, you're going to bless me and you're going to bless others. It's time we started moving forward and claiming the land that God has given you. If your family life is a mess right now, 
If you're having trouble with your spouse, if you're having trouble with your kids, it's time you claim the land. It's time you said, this family, I'm going to now start dedicating it to God. We're going to start living in godly principles. I'm going to become a different person. God, I know that if, you, if I move forward, you're going to bless me. You're going to bless others. I'm claiming my family right now for you. Maybe it's time you claimed other areas of your life that seem to be spiraling out of control right now. And you say, it's time I claim this land. It's no longer going to be Satan's. It's no longer going to be the world's. I'm now giving it over to God. My workplace is going to be different. The people in my life and my friends are going to be different. Lord, I claim this land for you. And we need to be doing that as a church at Westport Road Baptist Church. Maybe we need to go up on that new roof we've got over here, uh, our new green roof that is, that is uh, ecologically sound. And we need to get up on it and look out. Did you know that Westport Road Baptist sits on the highest point in the east end of Louisville? Did you know that? Yeah. We're at the highest, well, put that, that's something you can talk about at work tomorrow. We're at the highest point in the east end of Louisville. Let's go up on the roof and look as far as we can and say, Lord, I claim everything I see for you. It's not going to be Satan's anymore. I know there's hurt out there. I know there's hate out there. I know there's violence out there. I know there's selfishness out there. Lord, I claim it for you. I'm going to start living differently. Our church is going to be different. And we claim this land for you. You're going to bless us and you're going to bless them. And we begin to claim it for God. That's exactly what Abraham does here. He says, look out, everything is yours. And he builds an altar to the Lord and says, I believe it. In the mess of your marriage, in the mess of your family, in the mess of your, of your job, in the mess of our society and our world and a murder rate that's spiraling out of control in the Louisville, let's claim it and say, Lord, I now claim it for you. And when you do, it'll begin to bless you and it'll begin to bless God. Now, everything might not work out the way you want it to. But I guarantee you that in the long run, it's still going to be a better life for you and a better life for others when you move forward for God. There's a really interesting story in People Magazine this week. And I go to a lot of doctors just so I can read People Magazine and keep up on what's going on in the world. But uh, I I was at uh, my allergist the other day, Dr. Derek Damon. Is he in here somewhere, Dr. Damon? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Derek. Uh, And uh, while I was uh, waiting for, I was reading People Magazine. And uh, in that People Magazine, uh, there's a story about a lady by the name of Becky Turner. And Becky was about to get married, uh, and her son had passed away the the year before. Uh, Her son was named Tristan. And she had a big decision to make at that time. And her decision was, do I want to be a a donor? And she said, yes, we do. And so Tristan's heart was given to a young man in uh, San Diego, California, who was 21 years old. And, uh, uh, you know, she decided to do that. It was a risk. It was a cost. She was going to do it anyway. And now she was getting married. And she said something to her fiancé before the marriage. And she said this, I would just give anything if Tristan could be there. And so at her wedding, there was a weird groomsman standing there, someone she had never seen before, someone who hadn't been at the rehearsal. And she uh, began to think, well, who is this strange person that's here uh, as one of the groomsmen? And it was then that her fiance told her, that is Jacob Kilby. He has your son's heart. And uh, so she was absolutely astounded by that. Uh, she uh, went up, got to listen to her son's heart, 
and her son was at the wedding with her. And she said, now I know I made the right decision because there was a lot of times I wondered, should I have been a donor? Should I have done that? But seeing this young man and knowing he's alive today because of my son's heart meant it was worth the cost and that it was worth the risk. When you move forward for God, there's always a cost and there's always a risk. But if you have the courage to do it, it will end up blessing you and it will end up blessing others. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you don't give up on us, that you want to bless us. And Father, give us the courage to step forward and to claim that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.